This is Think Digital Futures. I'm Josh Nicholas. Just a heads up, today's show is about domestic violence, and some of the stories may be upsetting to some listeners. So I had a client the other week, and she showed me her phone, and she had photos that she'd taken personally, and then her ex-partner had sent them back to her. So she'd never sent them to him. They'd been personal private photos of her and a new partner and then he'd been using those to send to her for blackmail and also to intimidate her. So the only way he could have really accessed those is through one of these sorts of apps. This is Alex Davis. She's a solicitor in Legal Aid's domestic violence unit. And I even had a client once where she was aware that her phone was being monitored in this way, but it was also so that she couldn't leave. So they would look at all the messages, make sure she wasn't trying to look for contact or help. But the way that she even walked to work, they would monitor the route. And if she deviated from that route, they would go and pick her up and question her and want answers as to why she wasn't following the routine that he had in place for her. Usually, um, leaving a violent relationship and fleeing means that you get some safety. But now we don't have the same spatial boundaries because these sorts of technology enable people to be completely tethered to their ex-partner so that they're always capable of being found. And I had one client, for example, who even fled overseas and her ex-partner found her when she was doing some yoga next to a river in a completely different country. So those are just a few examples of something that is becoming frightfully common in our new digital age. Domestic violence, of course, is not new. Abusive, intimidating and controlling behaviour is unfortunately quite prevalent in our society. But technology is allowing all of this to be expressed in scary new ways. Just think about all of the features that you love about your phone, and that really set it apart from what was available 10 years ago. You know, fast internet, GPS, the camera, apps. What if all of this was turned against you? So what kind of impact does this have on your client? It has a massive impact on them, on their work, their social life, um, them wanting to leave the home. It also has a huge impact on them mentally because they just don't feel as if they can uh, ever really escape. You know, the omnipresence of technology means that they never feel alone, they never feel um, safe. I've had some clients who've ended up um, going back to their ex-partners because they feel so unsafe not knowing uh, what they're going to do, but feeling as if they're being monitored and as if it's safer when they're actually with that partner so they um, know what's coming next, if you know what I mean. But it, it really does have a severe impact on them and I don't think that can be underestimated. So it's not just about the new power and features that our devices have. It's the fact that technology is everywhere. You go to work, there's a computer on your desk. You go to dinner, someone tags you in a photo. It's never been easier to invade someone's privacy. The first client that presented to me a few years ago with this issue, uh, she went to a number of services that didn't believe her. They didn't think that these sorts of things were possible through technology. Uh, and so that made her even less safe because people didn't take the risk 
seriously because it seems like something that would be far-fetched or in a Bond movie, but it's actually something that's really easy to do. You don't need any expertise. You just need a bit of money to be able to pay for it um, and sometimes access to the phone to actually put it on or access to the computer. How, how can you tell? Like how, how can, if, if you're a person who like, suspects, how can you tell that this could be happening? It's usually a gut instinct rather than something you can find on your phone. Um, I've had some people who've had some success going to, for example, an Apple store or um, to a technology expert to have a phone or a device scanned, but those things can cost money. So often the way that people find out is weird things start happening. So uh, the perpetrator or the person that they've escaped from will start turning up or sending them strange messages. Uh, they might have conversations with them where they start alluding to things that they weren't around to hear. So how could they possibly know that information? Often the person who's best able to detect the level of risk or um, to know that something's wrong is the person who was in a relationship with that person and who's experienced that control. So they really do just need to follow their gut. So this kind of technological abuse is happening and it appears to be widespread. But what can be done about it? How can you secure yourself and your devices? I started speaking to some cybersecurity experts. See, as a user of a, of a particular device, you don't have to be uh, that much technically sound. Uh, but you have to be uh, sound in terms of uh, understanding the functionalities what is actually provided by the device. Now, every this device is Dr. Priyadasi Nanda from the University of Technology, Sydney. Dr. Nanda researches and teaches cybersecurity, and he has a bunch of advice on securing devices. Most of it is easy stuff, like turning off location services if you don't use them, or thinking about the apps you download and understanding what data they share and leech from other apps. If you don't use it in a, in a way consistent with the recommendation of the technology, so you are definitely exposing um, a lot of information to the public. You don't need to be as expert as Dr. Nanda or his students to follow most of this. The only problem is none of it really works against an intimate partner. They're meant to protect you against hackers or the NSA. How do you shield yourself from malicious apps or or police your phone's location settings if someone you live with wants to tamper with them. If I was running away from my partner, my partner already has my date of birth, my mother's maiden name, all of those details. And that's all that is required for me to call my phone company and ask for a copy of my statement. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that will tell you everybody that I called, uh, you know, even if the phone was mine and not his. But that's also the same information he would require to reset almost every password you have. Like Exactly. This is Dr. Bhuva Nairan. She's also a lecturer at UTS. She studies cyber stalking and cyber bullying. So, so much of the time when, when, when we talk about how you, are, how you can secure yourself, how you can secure your devices, it's like, don't mm -hmm. let your laptop out of your sight. You know, don't download this thing onto your computer, mm -hmm. make sure you have strong passwords, all of these things. But none of that, n none of that can be shielded from an intimate partner. Like they will always exactly. have access to your laptop yeah. when you go for a shower or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So that's why if the person needs safety, they also need uh, literacy around 
their privacy. I don't think that exists currently in our uh, sort of social welfare uh, advising, uh, perhaps. The point about digital literacy is an important one, because many of the ways this kind of spying and control is achieved is by abusing perfectly legitimate inbuilt features in our devices. For example, a lot of our phones nowadays can sync with computers. That's a vulnerability. We have phones which we're using for our own convenience, which have a lot of things inbuilt into them which are less insidious than these apps. So, for example, if you've got an iPhone that's got an Apple ID, and if you have the password for that, then you're able to tap in to find my phone and track a person. Mm. So I have a lot of clients where they don't know their Apple ID, their ex-partner does. So their ex-partner is using that to track them. But also, if the other person has set up the phone, you can have message forwarding put in. And also, if it's an iPhone, it might sync up to other devices so that they can get all of your iMessages. But what Alex and I really got together to talk about was apps. Malicious apps that people use to surveil and control their partners. These aren't flaws or bad design, but software that was created to do this. I'm not going to mention any of the names of these apps, but it's surprisingly easy to find them. They even advertise. Here's a YouTube video, for example. You can keep tabs on their locations, instant messengers, calls, block apps, websites, and much, much more. So this is an app that markets itself as a way to spy on your children but it's also incredibly popular among people who want to spy on their partners. No matter what the intention is behind them, they have a facade often of like a legitimate purpose. Let's say I, I'm an employer and I supply lots of um, devices, I may want to track like how much work you're actually doing on them. And they, that's mm. the kind of facade they put on them. It's an interesting point because I remember when I first looked these up and was giving training to let domestic violence workers know about the fact that these apps existed, um, the way that they were advertised was different. So it was catch your cheating wife. It was that covert and obvious that people were using them for that purpose of tracking their partner. But now you're right, they're a little bit more clever about it. And they use this false facade that it's for your employer. So if you have an employee and they're embezzling money, then you can catch them. Or if you're a concerned parent, then you can use it to make sure your kids aren't going wayward on drugs. So they have this different advertising lean to what they used to, Mm. which is um, still not disguising the fact of what you can use these apps for and what they're predominantly being used for. Now, you're probably wondering how any of this is legal. Well, it turns out it may not be. Um, We've got a lot of legislation which does prohibit uh, interception devices, also surveillance devices, tracking devices, all of the things that these are being used for. Even the manufacture and sale and advertisement of these devices is supposed to be illegal, but there hasn't really been um, legal action about it. It's it's crazy because, I mean, so much of what I do is about how technology empowers people. And this is just the complete opposite. This is like the last refuge outside of your head is your phone. And this is just taking away that. 
For sure. It's a real double-edged sword, though, because I never like to discourage people from using technology because I think it also has a role to play in keeping people safe. It's just really hard, and I think that um, people need to have more knowledge about how their technology works and familiarise themselves with their device and with their social media accounts and the privacy um, aspects of that that are available. So a lot of people don't have a passcode on their phone or aren't actually using you know, the fingerprint um, capabilities of a smartphone. So if you know how to use those things, then you're going to be in a better position to use technology in a way that's safe and that it can empower you. But um, the other flip side of it is most of these apps or even just the functionalities of the phone, they really require you to be connected to the internet. So some people go back to old Nokia brick phones because Mm -hmm. that's a safer way for them to have a phone um, and be able to have access to emergency services and things they need without necessarily being uh, on a device that could be compromised. So that last point Alex made about phones being a double-edged sword for those in abusive relationships, that was repeated by almost everyone we spoke to. Yes, our phones and computers have design flaws that potentially open us up to spying. Yes, some idiots have written software that makes us even easier. But at the same time, for many people, these same devices are their only connection to the outside world. They're a lifeline. Often the only thing a person running away has is that device to keep in touch with the rest of the world. And if that device is uh, under someone else's control and that and that happens to be the person that they're running away from it becomes problematic this is dr narayan from earlier and one of the main reasons people don't seek support by going to all of the traditional uh, help or support groups is because there is a huge stigma associated Mm. with domestic violence and uh, uh and so they are you know, more likely to uh, sort of seek help online anonymously about a situation. Yeah, so yeah, there are no solutions to any of this except education, I think, around privacy and safety. Um, but this, this seems like something that needs to be tackled on a whole bunch of fronts, because even, even as yes. you just said, there's yes. so much data which even the social networks just they don't realize they're disclosing it. Like yeah, there was yeah, that story, exactly. there's, there's loads of stories of like people being yes. outed accidentally because Facebook yes. does something, you know? Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, all of that, uh, you know, and, and it's not just a solution on a state level or a national level. So there are many people working on this front, using technology to fight back against domestic violence and to empower victims. In fact, there are several brilliant apps that have recently won awards. One of them is called SmartSafe Plus, and it was created by the Domestic Violence Resource Center in Victoria. I spoke to CEO Emily Maguire. The reason we focus on um, how technology can be used positively is because for a lot of women, their mobile phones or Facebook or any sort of social media is the only way that they can stay connected. If they're with a partner who is violent or abusive and who isolates them from their friends and family, Facebook or text messages, those things are all, all that they've got to stay connected, which is hugely important in helping women to leave violent situations. And we wanted to develop something that would 
um, help women to use technology that they didn't like, mm. but wanted to be able to use to keep them um, to keep them safer and to access, help them to access information. So SmartSafe Plus isn't exactly a public app. You can't just download it from the App Store. You need to contact Emily's centre or visit one of their partners in order to download it. This is for security reasons. Its creators don't just want anyone to be able to download it and figure out what it can do. But there are some things that Emily was willing to talk about. It's really like an online diary. So it's like something, it's, it, it, it will help you to collect evidence. Mm-hmm. So the evidence that women need are, um, you know, what the event was, whether they sought, whether they reported to police, whether they went to a medical professional, um, whether there were children involved, what the children heard and saw. So there's a whole lot of um, bits and pieces that the app asks women to complete to gather evidence. Mm-hmm. But what the app also lets them do is record a voice memo it allows them to take photos and to upload videos. And all of, all of this information is saved off device on the cloud. So for your phone can't be hacked by your partner. If your phone does get hacked by your partner, he's not going to be able to have access to your data because it's safely saved um, on the cloud. So, so there, there are a couple of things that are, are public about this. Like, for example, that the entries are timestamped. Is it things like that, having timestamped entries, not keeping any of the data locally, but keeping it safely in the cloud is it things like that that are the benefit of having an app like this otherwise what what is the benefit of having an app instead of just a notebook so what first of all it's um, it's exceptionally hard to in the moment or immediately after a family violence incident to collect information what you would do what women used to do was write things down on bits of paper they might have had a notebook um, but they wouldn't have known, for example, that they need to write down the time and the date of the incident and they need to write down whether or not there are any witnesses. So the fact that we've developed this with input and advice from both Victoria Police and Magistrates means that um, police have said to us, this is all of the information that we would ever ask women. If, if they've collected all of that themselves and they're coming to us with it, it makes um, life so much faster and easier and, and, and supports women to work through the system better. The other benefit, I think, as well of this is that it means that women don't have to tell their story over and over and over again. Okay. What they're able to do is they're able to hand over their phone or hand over the evidence. One of the things the app does is allow you to record This is fantastic for recording yourself after an episode to get all of the details out there while they're fresh. But it's not designed to document abuse while it is happening. Emily and the centre don't recommend that. And there's another problem here. And it's one of the reasons why SmartSafe probably shouldn't be used outside of Victoria. In many states around Australia, you aren't allowed to record someone without their permission, even if you are doing it to collect evidence. So when I was talking to the lady from Legal Aid, the domestic violence um, section of Legal Aid, she was saying one of the problems that they're facing is, you know, we all have smartphones. We all can record, even without specialized apps. We can all record everything now, mm-hmm. but you aren't allowed to record anything. Like, she, she's had um, clients who've tried to record stuff, take it to the police, and then they get in trouble. Yeah, so th- th- that's the um, kind of information privacy and... Um third-party recording are the, are the two pieces of legislation that um, are most different from um, state to state. Mm. Definitions of family violence and legal definitions of family violence are relatively similar, but you're entirely right. What happens in Victoria is that it is actually legal to um, record a conversation in which you are a party to. And, and so what that means for a victim is that it's legal for her to record either her telling of a story or it's legal for her to record um, a conversation her partner in, in 
but that's not legal in other states and territories. But there are other amazing apps out there aimed at other aspects of this issue. The app as it currently stands has a section with quizzes which allows young people to sort of go through questions to check the status of their relationships, to see questions about friendships, a blog which changes regularly. So there are articles on relationships, on warning signs. So the same with the videos. So there are a number of video clips on there that sort of talk to gender stereotypes or um, what what might happen in a relationship, what, again, warning signs. And there's a diary section in the app as well where people can just sort of journal for themselves. Um, There are links to other websites, resources for getting help too. This is Natika Maharaj from Doncare a non-profit that is also based in Melbourne. Doncare have a couple of amazing apps. The first is called Live Free, which is designed to build awareness around domestic violence. It includes tips and checklists, and is designed to be a one-stop shop for all the information you may need. But Doncare recently launched another app called iMatter, which is aimed at younger people, at equipping them to recognise the warning signs of a troubled relationship, and what can be done about it. It was really the quizzes that I think really grabbed our attention to begin with. And so yes. there's, you know, the, the first one here on the app is just like, is, I guess it's about re- your relationship with just friends. I think, I think it's just friends. Yes. yes. And so yes. the, the questions are not even, I, I don't know what I was expecting with the questions, but the questions are really short and simple. So yes. is it just to kind of get me thinking as a user is that is that the point of it just to if I sit here and I may not have thought about this to begin with absolutely yeah to start you thinking and to sort of uh, warning signs because sometimes little things that can be happening in a relationship that um that are are really clear flags I guess and we actually run an activity about the red flags in relationships so it's um is this something where there where power and control could be coming part of your relationship so it's giving them, if they, depending on the score they get, it gives them a bit of a signpost of, you know, how am I sitting here in this relationship? Is this working on equal terms? And, and some of the questions like, has your friend stopped spending time with friends or family? Like that's something where I guess I could immediately think about whether that applies to me, but then I could also think about, does that apply to my friends? And if it applies to my friends, like then sort of what do I do about it, I guess? Yeah, that's right. So then, then we do have sections too on what can I do about helping my friends. So then you could go to a blog on on what can I do to help them because this this would tell you if there was something that maybe you need to be a little bit you know you could you might be a bit worried and your friend might need a bit of support here. Yeah, we're starting. I feel like we're only just on the cusp of this of this wave of using mm. technology in this way. Like eighteen hundred respect has a has a good list of some apps around Australia that you can download in this space. And yes. even then, there's only like seven or eight of them, and they do very similar things. So I, I yes. feel like we're only just starting to realize what the power here is. That right? Absolutely. No, I agree with you. I think it. I think there has been traditionally probably a bit of a fear of this space, mm. and especially when it is used to monitor people. To um, you know, we have we see lots of women who are tracked through devices, yeah. um, or stalked, or um, have messages that are um, sent continuously that are really awful. So you see technology used in a really negative um, and destructive way. So I think it is new for the sector to really be looking at how we can capture this space in a way that is proactive and and is really um, looking to support people. 
if we look at domestic violence, I think, um, you know, we haven't really worked out how to stop it. But if we could work out how to really empower people, every, everyday people in the community as what I call upstanders, so rather than being a bystander and letting things happen, but we're empowering people around the community to sort of play a part, have a voice, have a say, and then the norm of what is okay starts to shift. And then we start to get changed. So I think building on what works, you know, we have young people acting in a way that is um, that is supportive of healthy, positive relationships. You know, they're saying, actually, this is what I want. This is what I deserve. And they're acting in a way to support each other to have that. That's when I think things start to change. You've been listening to Think Digital Futures. If anything we talked about in this show triggers something for you, please call 1-800-RESPECT. That's 1-800-737-732. This service is free and confidential and operates Australia-wide. The SmartSafe website is another great resource. They can be found at smartsafe.org.au. It's run by the Domestic Violence Resource Centre in Victoria and has a great hub with guides and news on how to protect yourself online and with your devices. You can subscribe to our podcast by searching for Think Digital Futures on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. This program is a collaboration between UTS and 2SER and was produced by Jake Morecambe. I'm Josh Nicholas. Talk to you next time.